Welcome to Nana Nana Sports. I'm here with Hamish, Ben, and Matt, and we're going to talk about a bunch of things today. But firstly, let's start with the cricket. Holy fuck, Australia fucking won. How fucking good was it? Uh, about a million. So good. <laughs> Do we have any thoughts? Feelings, things that you want to yell. Well, I did suggest that Australia would win a test match. <laughs> we were asking that last night. We were thinking, did anyone actually think we'd win one? Yeah, Matt was on it. And he also called Stark scoring runs as well. Yeah, those, and hey, those were critical runs in both innings. I mean, we ended up winning by 330, but yeah. like uh, 260 on that wicket looked a lot more healthy than 190. Well, when you read all the sort of Indian praise of the first day, efforts by the Australians you sort of at the time you read it as sort of condescending you're sort of going come on that's right what are you talking about (laughs) come on have you you seen Coley come out um, today and talk about that and problems and it was all that their bats were good like they were just lazy and and essentially compared our bowling to park cricketers (laughs) (laughs) he's quite something like uh, even a park cricketer can get four wickets if you don't concentrate yeah. and it's like <laughs> well it could like, take that sock <laughs> Kumble Kumble after day two suggested that that Stephen O'Keefe had just bowled steady yeah. he took six for the first innings and that the Indians had just been due for a bad day so I don't know how he explains the second bad day the very next day okay uh, well is let's start with Stephen O'Keefe we took 12 for 70 I think it's the best figures by an Australian in, in India. India it's the best figures by it's an Australian it's the second best by uh, any visiting bowler yeah, I, I, owe, I owe an apology yeah I, I said I said he had no chance to bowl India out let alone bowl him out twice <laughs> in right. a one match so we sorry all, Stephen we all did right. <laughs> I think there's a lot of doubt in you well yeah. but this is the question when I say we all I mean Australia <laughs> <laughs> No, Trevor Holmes is the guy yeah, who stood, stood strong. I still yeah. don't think he thought he'd bowl the year out twice. <laughs> well, I, from the way they talked about it before the series started, he was never meant to bowl people out. He was meant to be steady, mm-hmm. and everyone else was meant to operate around him. He's essentially going to bowl, meant to bowl 30 overs a day and go for 50 runs and hope Stark Hazelwood and whoever the third bowler was did the work. Well, mm. what was being said a lot by commentators and everyone around this game was that Sock's big advantage in that game on that pitch was that he didn't spin the ball much. <laughs> and the problem with the other three guys was they were all spinning the ball too much, which was 100% true yeah. on that pitch. But now, which is fascinating because as someone who's watched a fair bit of Judasia, to say Judasia spun the ball too much is just bizarre to me. But did you see how much he was turning no, it? Like, they were legitimately <laughs> turning it. But like, I think even Jadeja was shocked. He's like, I don't turn the ball. How is it turning so far? I feel like O'Keefe must have been like, have some ability to sort of put anti-spin. <laughs> um, so is any of this repeatable? Coley getting out twice. Stephen O'Keefe getting 12-4. Well, those sort of things probably sound a little bit unrealistic but <laughs> but what what is that now it's, it's that that's five test matches in a row Australia have won so you know the batting lineup is solid I, I think I think what it demonstrates is so what they what they talk about in India is the pitch starts pretty good and then the game goes crazy what they demonstrated was when the game goes crazy they can actually win which I didn't think they could so mm-hmm. so if they can hold steady which they did in this test match when when the conditions are all right at the beginning and and position themselves maybe slightly ahead or on par, 
when it goes crazy, they show that they can pull it out. Mm. So I, I'd say that. Maybe not repeatable, but possibly they could, you know, they could pull off a really a remarkable victory. I'd suggest that it's probably unlikely that India's going to prepare a, a test match wicket that 260 is a good score on again. Mm. Um, they'd be wanting to sort of test Australia out in needing to post five or 600 to, yeah, to set their match up. And I've, I've still got big question marks about whether this batting lineup can score five or 600 because yeah. I, don't, I don't think, I think two of the biggest, well, three of the biggest question marks uh, remained massive question marks in Sean March, Mitchell March and Wade. Like half of our batting order I'm really sus on. So if we're going to score a big score here, those no, guys what? have to stand up. And whether they can or not, I don't know. So how do you feel about Mitch Marsh's 30 in the second innings? Uh, it's already been compared to a, to a Shane, Shane Warren 50 or 70 or something. I'm, I'm not sure what the, the, the Shane Warren conversion rate he seems to use on TV is. It seems very Watson to me. Pressure off, score some runs. Yeah. Uh, there was... Did you consider the pressure off at that point in time? When yeah. he came in, I didn't. I didn't think the. I didn't. When he came in, I don't think the pressure was off. I think that the the match was sort of wasn't wasn't evenly poised. But if Australia had have kept fall, if wickets had have kept falling, you just Do don't like know. Like three hundred. Not not when he came in, we weren't. Hmm. Oh, maybe not. I think. And 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 so you think because then everyone behind him made thirties as well, pretty much. So that's mm. that's when we turned. So yeah. so I'd give the the like all of our batsmen credit for that. No, no, one, no one threw their wicket away. Everyone occupied the crease for at least 30, 40 balls. You can um, see that across the, the both innings. I think in the top, apart from Wade, in the first innings, everyone faced at least 45 balls. Yeah. Same thing in the second innings, yeah. but even Wade faced 55 balls, I think. Um, and that was in both innings. Which should be applauded. Like, that's, that's, and that's, that's a great improvement for us. Exactly right. And that's something we always said about batting in India. You have to bat. Mm. You have to get a number of balls. You can, you, it's just not a place you can score mm. easily, score 80 off 80. And we praised Eddie Cowan in 2013 for doing that. Mm. You know, it was Eddie Cowan was the one, you know, he ended up getting dropped after this, but he showed that, you know, you needed to bat time. Just before we wrap up on this, I, I heard an amazing stat today that our batsmen got beat uh, outside the edge 50 times in the second innings. Yep. <laughs> it was happening pretty much every over. But that, to me, that said a lot about the mentality of how we bat, batted. Mm. I think we played how you need to play in India when you play spin, which is we're playing for the straight ball. Mm. The one that spins, either it spins too much or maybe it gets your edge, but there's not much you can do about that. Mm. Um, the, the wickets we lost that were frustrating were ones where we lost them to the straight ball. So Warner and Sean Marsh both went to basically straight balls in the second innings. Mm. Um, the only person that across the, to me anyway, across the entire two innings that got out to a legitimate, big, turning, bouncing Indian uh, wicket was Renshaw in the first innings. Mm. Mm. Um, and, you know, before we move on, we have to praise Renshaw. That, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah. he was in both innings great, uh, worked really hard despite being clearly sick, mm. played late. I think that was a cool thing. Like you saw a, a young batsman adjusting to the conditions and played really late. Played. Do you think his height? Because second giant Queenslander to do well there. Like, is that a thing? Can't hurt. Mm. He was. He was. Yeah. He was using. He was getting to the pitch of the ball when he needed to. He was staying back and playing late when he needed to. He was essentially playing the line of the ball, so he was getting beaten a lot, like everyone else was, but. Mm. Like, he doesn't seem to mind that. And then he was capitalising on his sweep shot to mm. score runs, and it worked. And so. that's, that's the thing. The, 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 everything since he stepped foot into Test cricket was his temperament. His temperament's just yeah. been mm. unbelievably good. Even 
after the sort of you know brouhaha about leaving the, the ground he's he's laughed that off as well like he's just and, really calm it seems yeah and so he, he gets beaten outside off next ball and that's and that's the way he is and, and you look at his you look at his record and it's only a short one so far but like at shield level basically he hardly ever gets out inside 30 balls like he sets it up for blokes like Steve Smith and that to come in afterwards. Yeah, and if we're talking about a way Australia can win the series, hopefully that's it. Hopefully our guys show a bit of temperament, a bit of patience, and India loses their shit as the overwhelming mm. um, favourites. Mm. Um, and just before we finish this off, I think it'd be remiss of us to not acknowledge Nathan Lyons bowling as well. I thought he bowled incredibly... He only got five, he got five wickets across the two innings. Only five wickets. Only five wickets. <laughs> 75 runs, you know. Like, but he bowled spectacularly well. Um, in both innings, he got some just amazing bounce and was looking like he was going to get a wicket every ball. He, he obviously didn't. He and was Steve let, O'Keefe did. But he was line was let down by some some absolutely appalling catching. So there was the Indians caught poorly, and yeah. what uh, Smith got let off four times in a century. Great knock, but he was dropped four times. Three of them really should have been caught. I think. Lyon had what at least three easy drops in so that second innings. In the second innings. In the first couple of overs, Hanscom dropped two, of which I would have said he'd normally catch both of them. Neither were easy. Uh, the The first one was sort of off the middle, to his right. It's one of those ones where the short legs sometimes get, sometimes don't. The second one, he had just taken a step back on the shot, and so it was too slow coming forward. Uh, and then the third one, which was to Warner. Was, oh, it was just criminal. It, yeah, that leg slip. And it was the exact kind of wicket that Nathan Lyon is going to get in India over and over again because you get so much bounce it's hard to, to bring down from, from yeah. a hip like that. He did He did get a bit of luck with the last wicket of the match, though, which which missed the bat bite. That was a crack. I think there was... India's... Did anyone else see the reviews? So India's yeah. first two reviews in that second innings, you were like... You're out. Yeah. What the? <laughs> You're out. What the? And then they reviews up their reviews. And there was seven, couple... seven overs, seven overs. They've lost both their openers and they've lost both their reviews. A couple, couple of those LBWs were pretty suspect too. You like, probably yeah. weren't hitting the stumps. Well, but, well they, 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 missed, they missed out on Steve Smith after burning the reviews when we were batting too. Like, they, they don't know how to use it. Well, I mean, I, they're new to it. Well, I, there's that. And that might be an argument. But I also think it, it was the... Um, the ego thing again. Yeah, it is. You know, like they were the overwhelming favourites and Australia got off to a pretty good start and they started they started panicking. But so a couple of the challenges in our batting innings were just petulant reviews by, mm. by Coley. Like they were... Was it, yeah, it was strange. The use of the review was bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to give everyone an opportunity now to revise their predictions. Does anyone want to change their series prediction? I'm sticking with four nil to India. <laughs> 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 yeah, good um, good stick it to you guys. Uh, well, how about how about we say um, how about we say two one to India? I'm gonna go two all. Oh hello, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go three one to India. I good, think... good on you, Matt. And Matt, Matt, Matt was the be- easily the best of us. The yeah, only person yeah. who didn't get everything wrong <laughs> last podcast. So we're so... sorry, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> Right, uh, rugby league season starts on Thursday. Thursday night football with I don't know uh, Brisbane and someone. Shark. There you go. <laughs> the premiers. I'm shocked that Brisbane's not playing on Friday. Is that they're not going to be able to handle that? <laughs> I think they get a salary cap discompensation for it. So it'll be fine. 
Alright, so this is really easy for me. Who's going to be good this year? Give me a top four. Uh, Broncos, Roosters, uh, Raiders, and North Queensland. No Storm? Oh, Storm fifth. <laughs> <laughs> They're the fifth side of the top four? Or? Yeah, the fifth side of the top four. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Take out Raiders, pop in Storm. Yeah, right. Storm, Raiders, Panthers, I don't know, someone else. Yeah, a few people have Panthers. Would you be worried, uh, as some of us around the table are Raiders fans, at the amount of smoke that has been blown up uh, the Raiders uh, over the last couple of weeks? Oh, they never get it right. They, no, no one gets the preseason predictions right in the league. I, Le- league always has a few dark horses, that, mm. a few Panthers or bloody Titans or some smoky that jumps up there. There's always a team in the top four, at least one, that was expected to finish down way out of the eight yeah. and there's always a team that was meant to be in the top four that was that finishes way out of the eight Warriors are good smoky I, I reckon I do feel the Raiders could be that team this year <laughs> and finish near the bottom of the table I'm just you know channeling optimism and I'm that's just pessimism what did, they, what did they win in a row into the finals just on the way to the finals eight, eight or nine know. or ten they finished second or third and but, you know, uh, no, the prelim this final. has happened a couple of times for the Raiders before where we've creamed it in at the back end of a competition we, we are good at both streaks you're going to back it on performances and all you can do is back it on what you saw last year mm. yeah. I, I've got us in the top four I just think it could all fall apart yeah. Um, so what do you got? What's your oh, top Sorry, for? for the record, I will have uh, Cowboys, Raiders, Storm, Warriors. Mm. Oh, that was a little Ooh. interesting. Alright. Yeah, a couple of missions there. Alright, cool. The team that misses out for me that I'd be really interested to hear, I don't know, if only we knew someone who goes for the Eels. I reckon that they're going to be good this year. I did. I did leave a side out of the top four, and yeah. maybe this is the maybe this is the one. Are they your fifth top four side? Well, to be fair, they did finish. They did finish fifth last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly right. They were legitimately good last year, despite mm. losing Foran, despite losing Pete's, despite losing Paulo, despite having more injuries than you could poke a stick at, despite mm. having a off-field situation that was. A debacle. Not much happened off field, was there? No, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's something I'm missing out. Did I mention the, the piles of injuries? There were a few oh, injuries. And Jared Hayes said he wasn't coming to you. Yeah. No, that there was... Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, well, literally, it's a season from hell. I've forgotten all about that. managed to come pretty much <laughs> effectively fifth, despite having lost all their points. Look, on most things I've sort of listened to, people have sort of... Um, the question marks are all about... Um, our halves and our fullback and our hooker. So basically, they question Degoy's. They question whether Bevan French will be any good, and the fact that we're going to have probably Norman and um, Gutherson mm. in the halves. So in the end, it'll, it will live and die on that. But I think um, you know our pack is strong. Your our defense is strong. Is, is impeccable. Your defense is so good. I wish the Raiders had your defense. Good coach. Good We've got a really good coach, and we're, and effectively Norman's a recruit. So basically, the back end of the year where we continued pretty solidly without him, he comes back into the side. So I think people that sort of have us outside the eight might be a little bit underestimating of what Parramatta can do. Mm. Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely one of those teams I could see. Yeah, um, oh, surprisingly. Would you, but would it be a surprise? Well, this is the thing. No one is because it's the nature of the NRL, mm. as as Mish says. Every year there's there's someone who who comes out of the gates and you go, wow, where'd they get those six, where'd they come from at six and oh, you know? And there's, in the NRL, there's that bit from 
oh, it varies year to year, but pretty much from like position five to like 14, mm-hmm. where those teams, you can often just throw a blanket over them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really not much difference between them and, and a lot of how that ends up rolling out is luck. It's golden point games and other stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's roll out a, a new little segment here on the No 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 Sports. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys a question of your respective teams. So we've got the Eels and the Raiders. Are you panicking yet? So for the Raiders fans, we lost 44-0 to the Knights in the trial match. Uh, it did not look good. Nothing looked good apart from our first set in attack. After that, the defence was atrocious. First string defence was atrocious. Uh, then the first string attack was atrocious. Nothing went right. Are you worried? No, I'm not panicking at all. I think we'll start slow and I think we'll get flogged by well, we have, points a couple of times in the first we six have weeks. Cowboys, Sharks, Broncos, Warriors... Titans and I think Eels in the mm. first seven rounds. But I think it'll be fine. But didn't you get flogged by Cronulla early in the year last year too? And by the Eels. Mm. That's <laughs> right. I do yeah. remember that one. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I don't know if it's panicking's the right word, but I'm a bit pessimistic. I, I felt the Raiders had two glaring deficiencies, which was defense and the halves. And I mean, yeah, I'm not confident that they've been rectified. And that is a tough opening draw, and I think we're going to struggle early. Yeah. The 20 weeks, 26 week year though. It is a 26 week year, so I hope, yeah. So look, you know, the, the, I'm still hoping we're a finals team and and we give it a shake. Yeah. These 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 games are important, but like you know, it's it's the it's the form you sort of build up towards the back end of the year that really matters. So the, the amount of sides that sort of sort of get off to a slowish start and sort of get moving late, rattle them off. Mm. How are you feeling about the eels, though, Matt? Look, the, what is it? It's February. Look, you know, <laughs> feeling great. Nothing's going wrong yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've, got a, we've got a board. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we've got. We're not. We're under the salary cap. Got, yeah, got it a, sounds like got a sponsor. The so, fixtures there. Yeah. Well, sorry. Two things. One, uh, speaking of salary cap, some interesting stuff has happened with the salary cap this week. It, uh, apparently, is the reason the Raiders have let go of Edric Lee. They're enforcing it now, is that? <laughs> Zing, sorry, Dad. Keep going. Uh, and apparently, uh, the Eels are now looking at spending the money that they that they didn't spend on Kieran Foran on potentially trying to attract Jason Talmalolo. Be good get. Yes, it would. <laughs> Look, you know, and, um, it'd be a, a pretty good addition to the the pack. Um, yeah, but isn't he isn't he wanting to play American football? I well, Eels is the place. It's like a feeder competition. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we forty nine, as right. long as we sign him on a lifelong deal, <laughs> yeah. it'll all be good. And he promises to come back. Right, NBA. So the trade deadline was a bit of a fizzer on the day, but there was some. Um, all the good stuff happened in the, the week leading up to it. Um, so the, the big one was Boogie Cousins moving from uh, the Kings to the Pelicans for, well, nothing, to be frank. Uh, Buddy Hill, who uh, is meant to be a shooter, who's shooting something like 28% from three this year. Mm. Maybe Vivek Randive, the owner of the Kings, thinks he's the next Steph Curry. Uh, I don't remember Steph Curry ever shooting 28%. No, no, he's not. <laughs> so we can equivocally put that down. Yeah, I wish you, I. Do I wish you actually I... know what Steph Curry shot in his first year? He's a rookie, right? Yeah, but he, from memory, he averaged about fifteen points a game, and I don't know many rookies that average fifteen points a game by shooting twenty eight percent from three. I think you can do that for us, Hamish, while we talk about this. Maybe you can just squeeze up oh, yeah. that. But I can guarantee you, he shot at least thirty four percent from three. Mm. 
And he and yeah, I mean, Steph Curry was partnered with Monte Ellis. He wouldn't have been a high usage. Yeah, that's either. true. Yeah, but yeah. I think the key for that is is the interesting thing about that was let's look at it from the Pelicans' perspective. They've now got Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis mm. uh, together. Both guys uh, uh, play as bigs as fives, basically. Two best centers in the league. I say. Yeah, no, I think that's... Yeah. I mean, you could have an argument there about Joel Embiid, but the guy yeah. plays 28 minutes a game, yeah. 28 games a year sort of thing. So. Yeah, and hasn't proven himself yet. Like, yeah. these two, uh, you know, if 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 uh, Davis was unhealthy, but they were the two first pick centres for Team USA. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, now, the, the question is, is can they exist together? Do you have a feel? Oh, uh, I mean, they're both so good, I would think so. Mm. They they because they're both just elite players, so I'm I assuming they'll make it work. I mean the, you know the more of the the bigger question is will it work with the Pelicans because they've got Drew Holiday is a pretty handy point guard is starting to find a bit of form and is a free agent at the end of the year. Yeah, but you know this was kind of a desperation move by the Pelicans yeah, totally. and a, and a kind of really interesting awesome one. Yeah. But they need to start. They, they can't keep missing playoffs with Anthony Davis. Yeah, to and, and they're basically now in the market for the thing that basically everyone in the league is in the market for, which is 3 and D wings, mm. guys that can play, defend the perimeter and shoot threes just on the catch and shoot, basically. They don't need people uh, who can penetrate. you got Juru Holiday who can do that if needed, but basically most of the time you're going to give the ball to Davis... Or Boogie, either in the high or low post. Both guys can play out of both. I mean, mm. both guys have done an amazing job beating. It's sort of a weird thing to say for a center, but they're really good. Both are really good at facing up and beating people off the dribble. Mm. Um, and so I can see how you can spread them out really easily. Spacing isn't the issue that you would normally think if you had two big guys. No, not at all. And, they, you know, and yeah, that's right. They, they can both shoot. They can both do everything. They're both great players. But you need, um, you need smart players around them to yeah. make it work and not 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 just elite athletic players I think you actually need smart players to make to make it work as well now the problem the reason I mentioned before that Drew Holiday is a free agent at the end of the year is that the Pelicans have to make a decision about whether to re-sign him mm. now he's going to cost 20 million a year mm. um, how are you going to fill out your roster if you're going to have two max guys in how, how they're thinking about it is they want to make a playoff run yeah, and they want people to go, oh shit, you know, this looks good. Mm. Oh yeah, Cousins and Davis and look good. good. And then people will come looking. Right, look at, so you're, yeah. you're going to get uh, those those fillers that LeBron's able to get. Yeah, uh, well, not, not on that level, but that's right. You're going to start attracting uh, talent and get them for a good, a good price and then, uh, you know, potentially you don't need to splash out on... Drew Holiday. Or potentially you do splash out in Drew Holiday, but you you get some pieces. You get yeah. some pieces. That you and need. so that's a plan. Do you think they can actually pull that off? Uh, 50-50. Yeah. I'm I hope so. Yeah, all right, cool. Because, they're, 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 you know, it'll be fun. Um, <laughs> for the Kings. Oh, Kings, they're just... They're, why are they a team? If I, was, if I was like a King membership holder, I would just be like... Uh, like this, I'm out. Yes, yeah. it's it's like it's definitely tearing your um, season tickets up at the game sort of vibe, isn't it? So uh, devil's advocate here, as a Raiders supporter, like they've lost their best player by a long time, but they haven't made the finals for forever, right? Correct. Yeah. Like they, that's the, the, that is the sort of the 
the paradox of Boogie is that he's the best center in the league and they've never won more than, say, 34, 35. Although, they were in line to make the playoffs this year before they traded him. No, in line. Yeah, maybe. Are in they, contention. So, sorry. I mean, are they going to be any real, really worse off than they were a couple of years ago with Boogie? No. But do you bank on them to make decisions about uh, about a personnel decisions to get better this, now that they're losing? So, so I know the nothing thing, about them. So but no, probably the, not. So the history, yeah, the history of Boogie's like a sixth year player or something like that, sixth seventh year player, and they have had top ten draft picks for six or seven years, and they have got they've got uh, Boogie, Demarcus Cousins, who is one of the best players in the NBA, but they with their with top ten consistent top 10 draft picks and second round draft picks every year they have got no assets like it's it's it's, it's amazing it's a remarkable even I, the Knicks I, have more assets I think but, I think if we got if I got my my younger sister who's never watched basketball before to randomly pick names you know what I mean she would have had a better strike rate than the Sacramento Kings did they have just done a remarkable job of avoiding talent in the draft <laughs> So this idea that you get rid of... You say, can they get worse? Yes, because they've, they've gotten rid of this main piece. They've set up the rebuild. And to rebuild well, you need to you need to pick people in the draft. And they have consistently uh, so, demonstrated so what, that they can't do so, that. So what's their plan? Just they, they go trust the process and that's and, and like and just try, are, try and do a filly? They are effectively tanking yeah. for the next, this season and the next, yeah. regardless of what they do. They can't in any... Um, realistic way get better mm. um, you're hoping to, to to get higher picks the problem is is because they've been competitive this year they're not actually in a good position now with about 25 games to go to actually get a higher pick they're going to have to tank like they're going to have to go full Philly for the rest of this season to mm. get their yeah high. lose every game yeah mm. and, I, and from memory I think their pick this year is currently uh, they've traded it away so it's only but it was top 10 protected so they yeah so they're in a bad position to tank basically this year and presumably they'll tank really well next year but again it comes down to can they pick can, can I just say that it's not tanking if you're really 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 bad genuinely <laughs> that's a very good point actually it's like it's just being shit yeah yeah um now the other I think noteworthy couple of trades were Ibaka to the Raptors. Does yep. this mean that the Raptors are the big uh, contender to the Cavs in the East? Yeah, you'd think so. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's going pear-shaped for the Raptors at the moment, but it's also going pear-shaped for the Cavs at the moment. So, um, so but you'd expect, you know, there's quality players there, and Ibaka's another quality player that fills a need for the Raptors. So you'd expect them to, to start um, asserting themselves as a contender. Yeah. Do you give them any chance against the Cavs? Cavs just picked up Deron Williams today. Yeah, totally. Well, Cavs, Cavs still haven't really proven that they're, you know, good this year. Yeah, they haven't really rectified their their mid season wobbles a hundred percent yet. Mm. Um, so they've yeah. still got people to come back from injuries. J.R. Smith comes back, I think, in March. Mm. Um, that'll be helpful. Yeah, they might sign Bogut, which will give them some frontline help. You know, they they could be in a good position. Mm. Still a question mark on how how well Love come, comes back. Yeah, well, that's a really good point. Like, Love coming back from injury is one thing. I think there's an assumption he's going to come back and play like he did the first half of this yeah. season, which is, you know... Does anyone know if they lost to Chicago today? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. 
I, I, I saw that were down. I, yeah, I didn't actually see the final score. Yeah, yeah, I saw that were down as well. So, you know, there's obviously still problems there. They're talking about how they're simplifying their defense. They think um, a lot of their problems are to do with exotic defenses and switches and things, and they're going back to simple defensive structures. But, you know, they've got to, they got to win. Um, now, the other two, the other thing that was worth noting was, I guess, the lack of trades made by both the Celtics and the Knicks. The Knicks, who had been mooting for weeks now that they were going to trade Mallow and Rose and failed to do either. And the Celtics, who had been using the Brooklyn picks, the fabled, fabled Brooklyn picks that they were going to use to get either Butler or Paul George, of which neither happened. Mm. Take me out of the equation. If you're a Knicks fan, would you be upset that you'd failed to trade Mello after weeks of, I guess, what you'd call negging him? Well, they didn't. They not, there was nothing good on offer for him. Mm. So as a Knicks fan, I would say, no, they shouldn't have traded him. Like so, they tried. They tried to sell him. There was nothing. There was nothing. I think that was of value that would have made the the Knicks better. That was worthwhile. And same with Rose. I don't think, um, you know, I don't think the Rubio Rose trade is that awesome. Considering you get to just offload Rose at the end of this year. And yeah, have it doesn't really help anyone. Yeah, you've got an extra. I don't know, whatever it is, twenty something million dollars to spend on someone, someone better. Good. <laughs> the question still is, yeah, you've got your. Phil Jackson sitting there giving a player option to Mello or the non-trade clause and mm-hmm. then basically doing everything he can to try to get rid of him now. Yeah. So you had to question the thought processes of the, the, the man. GM, the president of basketball. That's, that's the problem, I would have thought, more so than the fact they've still yeah. got Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, it's not a happy place. That's, <laughs> no. Relationships no. Although, they f- and then they failed today in tanking too, which was a bit upsetting. They beat Philly, did they? They beat Philly. Mello hit a jumper on the buzzer to win. And it's like, the beauty of tank. it's one of the beauty of tanking in the NBA when you start cheering against your team. Mm. And Mello's got the ball with nine seconds to go. And I reckon in the last two years, I've watched him miss somewhere between... 10 and 15 last second shots for the win and today it fucking goes in. <laughs> he, na- he nails it and then gives an icy cold stare at Phil Jackson. <laughs> gives him the bird. No, he's trying to miss today. That was the problem. He had like 38 points yeah, or something right. stupid like that. Yeah, he's legit good. Like, and it's like fascinating to watch. There's, there's so much sort of narrative around him being old and done and it's true. He's... He's losing his athleticism and he's on the downside of his career, but he's kind of like Paul Pierce in that way that he never really relied on his athleticism. Mm. You know? Cool. Rock and roll. Yeah, happy thing for the week. Who wants to start? I'm happy to start. I don't really have one, but it's. Are we, are we recording? Yeah, man. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, happy thing for the week. My happy thing for the That's week. you, by the way. My happy thing for the week is. Uh, call back to last week's happy thing for the week, which is Kyrie Irving's flat earth stuff. Oh, yeah. Course. Which has turned out to all be an elaborate hoax, and which all came out when Richard Jefferson was wearing, at some press conference where he was wearing a t shirt that said flat earth champions. Oh, right. And so the whole thing's come out as a hoax that the whole of the Cavs team sort of bought into and they've all been referencing in the media and I fucking love it. Um, and Kyrie Irving uh, is rad. So that's my happiness story. <laughs> what was the hoax? He, he doesn't believe that the Earth's flat. Yeah, and he, and he believes in planets. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lions beat uh, GWS the other day and Caitlin Ashmore kicked this absolute cracker from the right pocket. Pocket socketed along the ground. 
one of those ones that kind of so like the imp- Buddy Franklin impossible angle that yeah, kind yeah. of curls and goes in at the last second. Oh, rock and roll. And, and celebration was rad. And then so all the you know all the teammates got around her and were slapping on the back and going, "This is awesome." And then actually like her GWS opponent came up and tapped her on the back. I was like, "That was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pretty fucking good." <laughs> so that's that's the underdog Brisbane Lions were now four and zero. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. In a competition that no one had ever played in before, they were rank underdogs in round one, and they're four and zero. Um, and your happy thing for the week? Well, St Kilda's back out and about on Etihad Stadium against Port Adelaide. The first quarter was unbelievable. The rest of the game, not so much. So you actually was... watch pre-season AFL? When St Kilda's playing, I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we watched the Raiders last week. Yeah, but that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but that's the beauty of pre-season games, of course, is that you sit there and go that if you lose, Doesn't it's February. Matter. If you win... Well, we won. It's winning's good. Uh, <laughs> yep, we know. We lost last week. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and my happy thing for the week is Peter Hampson's fielding in the first innings, uh, which was just spectacular. He's become uh, a weapon at short leg. Like that is legitimately uh, a position that we now have an advantage over other sides because he's so good at it. Very Those... silly by him. Very silly by him. He'd <laughs> never be able to get out of that position. <laughs> Those grabs were impressive, though. They were some of the best catches. I also think what we actually did forget to mention was the fact that Australia became the first side in history to win back-to-back games one day after the other on different continents. (laughs) Fuck, those T20s were a waste of time. (laughs) It took me a while to work out what's going on. I'm with you now. Yeah. Uh, well, well done to all of us. Um, it's been another great week of Sportress of uh, No 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 Sports. Um, look, follow us on all the things that we're on, and uh, you know, get around next week us. football. Be here. Yeah. Woo! I won't be here. <laughs> <laughs>